Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. That's right. It is Oh My Goth Month, Gothtober, week four. We are here and we are surviving because we made a contract with a devil or a demon. And this week was very satanic. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> made. <laughs> Okay. Don't you think? It's kind of like a Satanist. <laughs> one media, one media. Satanic everything. <laughs> one Satan, one Satan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one Satan, one Satan. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really too sure if Satan and Satanism is goth, but I'm sure. There's an overlap. I was thinking about this. I was like, not all goths are satanic and not all Satanists are goth, but I bet there's a nice overlap somewhere, right? Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Well, we're going to talk about Black Butler. It's usually number one in all the, or up there. It's always on the high up in the list in the top goth animes. It's dark comedy, dark fantasy, and supernatural. It was written by... Oh, Yana Toboso? Toboso Yana. Toboso Yana. Okay. Or Yana Toboso. That's right. Yana has also done Rust Blaster and Black Butler in a Disney Twisted Wonderland game. Oh, that actually has her age, but I'm not going to really say her age. <laughs> I don't know. Why? That, that I want to know rude. what it is. Uh, she's 37, actually. Oh, uh, young. Yes, and the music was done by Taku Iwasaki. Iwasaki Taku. Iwasaki Taku. Taku Iwasaki. Oh, okay. You got it. Your pronunciation's good. <laughs> it's getting better, I think, ever since this uh, show, to say the least. It is... 31 volumes. It started in September 16th of 2006, and it's still going. It was published by Square Enix. It was on the monthly G Fantasy. Go team. The anime season one was directed by Toshiya Shinohara. Shinohara Toshiya. Oh, Toshiya. Okay. Toshiya Shinohara. <laughs> Okay, so the first season was written that by that person. They've also done Ballistic, X-Driver. 
I've never heard of any of these, by the way. But Diary of Anne Frank, Lupin the Third. Yeah, there's quite a bit in there. And then the second, I can't say this one, uh, Hirofumi Agara. Okay, let's see here. Did I get this one right? Ogura Hirofumi. Ooh. Hirofumi Ogura. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Go to. And who's that? What did they do? They're the director for the second season. Oh. It was licensed by Madman Entertainment and Maga Entertainment and Aniplex. The original run was from October 3rd, 2008 to September 17th of 2010. There's 36 episodes and seven OVAs. There is also something called Black Butler Book of Circus. And it's also an anime. And that was released July 10th of 2014 to September 2014. And that's 10 episodes. The original video animation, it's called Black Butler Book of Murder. And that was released October 2014 to November 15th of 2014. It is two episodes and they're 60 minutes each. There is a ton of love for this. There is a, a drama CD. There's films. Yeah. I guess it sold over 30 million copies worldwide of the manga. That's pretty gangbusters for manga. Yeah, it's kind of a weird premise. Well, it's not really that weird. Okay, so this takes place in the Victorian era in London. And something bad happened in 1885. It was CL Phantom Hive. His parents were murdered. And I guess there's always been a butler with the family. And CL had to make a contract with this one. His name is Sebastian. They kind of like brush over it with lines here and there about like why. He always says he's one hell of a butler. Yes. But they also said something like he's only been around for the last two years. Yeah. Two, three years. Yeah. Definitely. So he's a newer they have servants, right? So, like, the family has servants. Yeah, but he's been with the family ever since the beginning. He also said that, too, off and on. Well, that's contradictory. <laughs> he's been with this boy for three years, I think, is the point. Oh. And the first episode, I don't think, is, like, the best way to get anybody into it. Because it just, like, throws you in there into... Which, okay, it shows how... They get the contract going, but they don't actually explain anything. It's just like, okay, you're getting jumped into this whole entire butler thing, and that's about it. Yeah, you see like a weird ceremony type thing and some sort of deal being made, but you don't know what the deal is. Right, and you kind of learn more and more about it like the more you watch and everything. Okay, yeah, I will admit I do not watch very many episodes. And so there's not a big reveal at the beginning, so you find out. Obviously, it's pulled through. Yes. And the whole entire premise of it, which I've been learning more and more about, is CL, he's fairly young, but they don't really ever like get... Like 12. Into, yeah. They don't get, get into his age, I don't think, do they? Or I don't I know. Thought he, they said he's 12 or okay. something around there. And his parents were murdered. And so his whole entire thing is he is trying to figure out who killed his parents. So oh. he joined the Cortland Yard, or not the court, is it the Scotland, Scotland Yard? Yard or whatever to serve the Queen of England here and there for cases. 
Okay, because he is also like his family business is like a toy company. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he that's where he gets his money. Yeah. And then what else is he gonna say? Oh, when you first meet him, he, I don't know. He's not likable. Like he's kind of like seems like um cruel. So at first you're like, oh, this kid's like mean and kind of heartless. But then you find out, oh, he's working cases or maybe the people he's not kind to are actually you know, like not great. <laughs> so it's at first you think, oh, he's just kind of awful. Yeah. At first you think that he's cursed. I thought anyway, I thought that he was cursed and whoever he had over there would get killed right away. When that's not what happens, it, it stupidly happens that some people happen to get injured really bad like the person did in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Like he, they didn't cook him to death or anything. He ended up running away. But he thought in his own head because he was being so bad. And it might have been with help of Sebastian that he actually was getting cursed or whatnot. Yeah. And Sebastian's like this super good butler. He's very um, on top of things. And then there's like three bonehead other servants workers who are like UK, like English hillbillies. That's how I think of them. Cause they're all like, geez, like they can't get anything done. Right. So they're kind of like the comic relief. Yeah. They're kind of the comic relief and they fulfill all the anime tropes that yes. you need in a Japanese animation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like one's really ditzy. They're all pretty ditzy, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They're always trying really hard to do well, but they just f- everything up. Yeah, every single That's time. That's kind of like their role, and they're kind of silly. And so you're right. It felt a little bit tropey, and so it was hard for me to keep going. Also, note, this whole thing is Takeshi usually watches pre-screens everything and then is like, yeah, go ahead. And this one, he did not. And so... <laughs> I was being lazy because I'm like waiting for him to give me updates. Like, and he did say, oh, it's weird. And he's like, ah, it's getting better. And I haven't gotten to that point yet. I'll keep watching it. It does get better. I think I might actually try to complete it. I didn't complete it this time because it is 31 yeah. episodes and we're both going through a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We gave ourselves kind of a short timeline on this one. So it wasn't easy to complete. I feel pretty bad because this does have the potential of being really good. We might have to come back and do a recap on like maybe season two or three or something. Yeah, I think what we might do, because I know there's like at least two or three seasons or animes I haven't watched. And I think we might pick one each and talk about (laughs) it. And then or maybe we'll pick two and then try to redeem it. Or yeah. not redeem it or yeah, whatever. Yeah, give it <laughs> give it a second chance. Because this one I have not given enough of a chance, but I don't know. It seemed interesting. It's an interesting concept. It's very goth. There's like pentagrams and demon and murder. That's the thing. Aside from that, what else makes it goth? Victorian era, England. That's oh very please. Goth to me. No. Come on. What else? <laughs> I don't know. I was watching it. I was like, what makes this goth aside from like the Satanism and murder? And the Victorian era? Yeah, I don't know. That is goth. You know how they like to dress up in Victorian era clothes? <sighs> they do. They, they do. do. I agree. They got the ruffling buttons and the boots. <sighs> and they love England. That's a goth thing. That's very goth. And then also like the loss of parents and that kind of... I don't know, maybe that's not a gothy storyline. I don't think it was that gothy, 
but it's always in the top. Goth. I know it always is. Well, he's kind of moody, not to be mean to the goth community, but he's got that kind of moody. You're right. He wears an eye patch. I feel like I don't. I don't know. You're not thinking it's as goth as I was expecting it to be a little bit more like. I don't know, campy goth, and this is definitely oh, like not. It should be campier. Maybe it will get campier. It kind of has that. I don't know, like, yeah, maybe it's real superficial on the goth side. Yeah, I mean, it's more like not Renaissance fair, but like the Dickens fair goth. Vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, what was that? There was that one anime we watched. And had that one lady who grants wishes. Yeah, that witchy one. Yeah, that's way more goth to me. Um, exholic. Yeah, exholic. Yeah. I can't believe I remembered that name. You remember it, but <laughs> I know. And that was like one of my favorite animes for like a. That good, was good. Oh god, it was amazing, and just the style of it, and like how they're talking about life in general. It's not just like living life right now, but life and beyond. And yeah, got in the abstract themes yes. and things. So this doesn't get, we haven't watched enough, but it doesn't feel very deep. Yeah. And that's what, you know, like goth is deep. <laughs> so. It should be kind of deep. Yes. And, right. But I'll admit it's getting better. Like by the episode, like I'm at where they fight a grim reaper. <sighs> Come on. And I was like, okay, this is getting good. But it feels like for me, each episode, by the time it ends, I'm like, okay, I need a break. It doesn't like grip me right away. And that's like the biggest issue I have with it. It's actually, it's pretty damn good. Like the, the character designs are really good. The translation, the dubbing is okay because I always watch with the subtitles on and they're always different. In the dub, Sebastian always says, I'm simply one hell of a butler. In the subtitle, they say, I'm merely one hell of a butler. <laughs> so subtle differences. To me, that's kind of big, though. I mean, I know it's a subtle difference, but merely sounds way more like, okay, he's up to something. That's true. Yeah. I wonder why it's like that. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Maybe they're just going with the flow, and I get it. Yeah. And so like, there's Jack the Ripper in there, too. It's so it's pretty good. It's I, I'm digging it. I think I would recommend it for anybody since it is Gothtober. The character development does get better too. Do you think sometimes an anime that had such a following with the manga, like they created it for the readers, so maybe that's why it's a little bit more of a slow burn. Like yeah. instead of pulling us in right away, they're building up things to stay more true. To yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, if this was a weekly thing then they're trying to grip you every week or whatever. Because I'm thinking like how we feel about Fruits Basket, that maybe people who aren't attached in some way would maybe give it that same... I don't know. I wonder what the people who read it first felt about this. I believe this does deserve our attention, though, and we do need to worry watch it. And okay, so we're recommending Black Butler. <laughs> from what we watched so <laughs> far. We're not knocking so it from its top five status or whatever it's always oh, on <laughs> no i think this is definitely like at least one or two definitely mm -hmm. i mean to, like exholic is that's just in a whole entire different genre for me i love that series so much i watched it on some hack site just so i could complete it but it's so f good it's beyond just a genre it's just awesome where this is definitely like ah, i don't think it's goth but maybe a little bit. It's a little goth. I think it's got some goth 
themes in there. There's Satan. <laughs> the pentagram. And the pentagrams. The yes. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, it's there. Just not in like the level we want it at. <laughs> well, I was expecting what well, um, I wanted like crazy bats and I guess the blood would have shown up sooner or later and some there cheesiness. Like a ball, though. I feel like that's kind of goth, like the dress up. And... But they weren't all dressed up like goths or anything. They were just yeah. all dressed in Victorian outfit. Yeah, she's my favorite. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> she's like, yeah, that's so funny. I don't know. I'm excited to keep watching it. Yeah, and the cool thing about it, so I had to make it to episode six and then all of a sudden the person that Sebastian was defeating was like, I could tell you more about these characters. And then something happens and then it stops. And it's like the whole entire premise of like probably season one or whatnot. <laughs> there is a cliffhanger. There, just there's a cliffhanger, later. but that was only like six minutes in. Oh. <laughs> so it's really weird like that. But anyway, yeah. Check it out. I think we're going to do a redemption arc on this one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll be right back. Storygram Network. Hello. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi. And with me, I have Santos. And we take two pieces of media and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee. And this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We sip a Storygram Network. That's right. And we are back in, yes, we believe in Satan. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about Christian Death, Only Theater of Pain. A very controversial, and uh, I'd say they're the founders of Glam Goth because, of course, they're from Hollywood. So they would definitely be doing this, make it very clam. After last week's show of an album, I was like, I want some trash in here. Yes. I cannot just end off Gothtober with, we were going to do Lycia. I was like, no, uh-uh. It's not going to happen this time. <laughs> <laughs> we needed something loud. We needed something trashy. We needed something that, yeah. So, this, mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. They started in 1979, and they're still going on. Associated Acts is Premature Ejaculation, Project Faith, Shadow Project, and there's more. Right now, the members are Valor, Jason France, and Malarty. And Only Theater of Pain, this is their very first album. It is 32 minutes long. It was on the Frontier label. It was released July 24th of 1982. 
Roz Williams was only about 16 or 15 when he recorded this with the band. This album is fully like crazy, like Satan goth. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Glam. Glam, goth. It's uh, like a punk vibe. There is a hardcore punk vibe in yeah. this, uh, in every way, shape, or form. There's not much information about it, but that's okay because I watched the documentary about Roz Williams. Did you get information about this album from oh, that yeah. documentary? So I'm going to first off tell everybody about. Okay, so Roz Williams and Kristen Death, he never sang until this band, I supposedly. And I'm going to say also that their Wikipedias are always being tampered with and to the extent where it had to be locked. And this has been going on forever because some fans keep on putting different information in there either about Roz Williams or Kristen Death or what really happened. And so your best bet is actually to watch the documentary, which is called Necessary Discomforts, an artistic tribute to Roz Williams. And it's amazing. If you ever want to know more about Roz Williams, then that's definitely the one to watch. There is actually more to. Okay, so they started this band, and I guess Roz Williams, he wasn't really a singer, but he was a really good poet. Okay, so they had four members of Pumpy 99, and it was... Wait, hold on here. This is going to be really tough to kind of... Because it's, it's always different! Pompeii. <laughs> um, it seems like, yeah, there's a lot of mystery, and then there's a lot of tampering. And there's a lot of controversy. So it gets all shifted around depending on who's telling the story, right? Yeah. The cool thing about the documentary is the band members tell the story about Roz Williams and how crazy he was, supposedly. There was a lot of meth involved or a lot of drugs involved. And he sang this, the songs with his boyfriend in the vocal booth. And supposedly a lot of weird smoke and magic out of the place like there was spirits coming out or something that's what the guitarist said the mm -hmm. old guitarist and the funniest thing is is during the tour of this album one of them had to leave because he thought he saw ghosts or something like that of all the bad spirits so there's some magic going on and some meth yeah. <laughs> it's this crazy combination yes only Theater of Pain is also very controversial, not only over the Satan themes. And he drops the end bomb in there on the song Romeo's Distress. And it's not like he's saying distaste or anything. He's more saying it to create like kind of more of a picture of what's going on at this, like kind of like this weird Southern home. As in, it's not his point of view, but it's this story or creation yes. he's made that he's trying to explore so it's not like his normal way of being right and do know he was like 14 or 15 when he wrote this in the 80s so <laughs> yeah it's a very different time and it's not like it's great or anything but i think it's good to just give the context yes definitely and it is the top song on spotify but you should be kind of shocked for okay he does drop the end bomb in there and he sometimes he did wear um swastika stuff or even have a weird adolf hitler stash 
will say in the 80s, I was a baby, but when you look back at a lot of goth and punk and 80s stuff, the swastika is kind of sprinkled through there strangely, like even seeing the Banshees. And so I don't know if it was just like a weird way to shock and freak people out. Like, it's not like their thing. It's not like they're at a rally or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know what it was about that time and like wanting some sort of shock value or controversy. I mean, even David Bowie had a Nazi stint. Mm. He got in some trouble with that in the 80s or 70s. Yeah. So I don't know. There's some weird thing people are processing <laughs> like World War Two in these strange ways. So um, again, not... I'm um, justifying it. Just yeah, not justifying <laughs> weird context it, of the time period. Yeah. You see, I was reading some forum posts about Remy's distressed. So he's not alive to explain himself. So this is just out there, and that's all it is. You could kind of say that, oh, he could be a racist or whatever, but it's kind of like that documentary about Michael Jackson about the survivors and. It's good that they were able to make this documentary for him and stuff, but Michael Jackson wasn't allowed to explain himself or to rebut anything. Or to grow or change. That's also like, Roz Williams is so young in that. So yeah, I wonder how he would have been as a person as he kept growing. I know he was like in his 30s when he died, but... It's still on the younger side. And depending on the drug use and stuff, you're not always... There's no redemption arc, though. He can't yeah. explain himself. And so he can only go with all the work that he has. And sometimes you go, okay, maybe he is this crazy racist, but I don't think he is. Or I mean, there's a lot of work out there like that. Like, you don't really know. Even like the mamas and papas. <laughs> there's a perfect <laughs> example of... Of like this guy that was dating a 15-year-old in the uh, band. Yeah. He was in his 20s. He was like 26 and she was like 15 or 16. She seduced him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess so. No, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of complicated stuff and it's hard when people aren't around to talk about it or at least what we're seeing now, like kind of grow from things. So I think about Kevin Hart and how he got skewered for something years previous and him being like, come on, like I'm not that person anymore. So he did think if hopefully people would grow and change and um, become more open-minded and more inclusive and but I don't know if Franz Williams' other work, like his poetry and stuff like that, it's probably not all like, like he would know if he was racist if he's like writing about things, certain things focusing on. Yeah, we, we could only go by his work and it seems like this is the only one. Yeah. Also, just look, like this album's controversial. One song is controversial. He's controversial. The name of the band is controversial. How he died is controversial. <laughs> what he wore, his lifestyle was controversial. Like everything. So he's just like this very layered person who was pushing all sorts of everybody's buttons on all these different ways. So I don't know. And inspiring lots of people. Now, let's just also point out that Christian death was kind of a evolving door of musicians. So with only theater pain, it was a certain amount. But when you look at the past members, it's about 30 or 40 people. And so Roz Williams was in the band from like 1979 to 1985. And he left the group assuming that like everybody 
was just going to go on and do their own thing, according to the documentary. And then Valor kept the name. He was like the guitarist in the band at the time. He kept the name and continued with Christian Death. <laughs> and that's like really confusing because. Oh, yeah. From what I understand, Roz Williams felt like he was Christian death. Like Roz Williams was like, this was his artistic project. So it didn't make sense for the rest of the band to keep the name. Yeah, he definitely was. And to me, he still is. And somewhere in 92, Roz Williams came back as Christian death and released the Iron Mask on Cleopatra. And that's some remakes of older songs and also like some newer songs under the Christian death name. Yeah, so it's confusing. It's very confusing. And he's also inspired other artists such as, I mean, easily Marilyn Manson, like Danzig and a ton of other people too. Yeah, please look up Roz Williams images because he's got great goth makeup, wedding dress kind of thing going around (laughs) and different outfits. And so you can see where people would have been inspired by his aesthetic. He's definitely the epitome of goth. He was the one, like, if you look at pictures of him, he definitely looks like that. Premature Ejaculation was a experimental band that he started, and that was pretty good. And then I got to see Shadow Project when I was like 18 or 19. And it was just an acoustic set with his wife, then wife or ex-wife, Eva O. And... People were kind of upset because it wasn't like punk rock music or anything, but it was still damn good. I think about it now, I feel very lucky that I was able to go. It was for only like 10 bucks or something. And he was in LA and then he moved up to San Francisco. He lived in San Francisco for a little bit too. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. I think he went back to LA. He was always traveling around. And unfortunately, he's one of those guys who uh, committed suicide due to mental illness and depression. He hung himself on April Fool's Day, actually. And um, did the band members talk about that in the documentary? Yeah. Was he actually found by his roommate at the time? Either his roommate or a band member, yeah. He wasn't answering his phone. or He wasn't answering the phone because I don't think there were cell phones back then. (laughs) so he died in the 90s april 1st 1998 i got to see one of his last performances or whatever you want to call it anyway yeah he's a pretty interesting character i always heard that he attempted suicide quite a bit at times but i'm not really too sure if he did i feel like we need to have like all the numbers and websites for suicide awareness oh on yeah the liner for sure <laughs> like this show does because this month we've hit up two different people who killed themselves and then even in black butler there's a character who is always threatening to hang themselves and it's really not the answer yeah, so it's not the answer it gets better in the end yeah reach out to somebody and It kind of sucks because, like, I think he would have had, like, some type of redemption arc because I think in 98, let's see here, that was really when goth industrial was, like, blowing up. And whether or not he would want to either take it and run with it or kind of choose to do another thing, people loved him. He had his own fan base. And so whatever he would do, they would would always like to see Christian death. But... (laughs) Or his version of Christian death. But at the same time, just, uh, 
yeah, it's kind of a bummer that he passed away. And I guess I wonder how the other Christian death band does. Like, are they doing well? Like, how weird? Uh, I don't know. I don't listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if you listen to <laughs> I'm like, are you allowed to? It's like, you pick one or the other. I don't know. Um, yeah, you're either on Team Roz's side or you're not. Yeah, <laughs> I want to say this is my first dive into Christian Death, and I really enjoyed this album. For I like his sound. I love the sound of the band, the oh, LA punk God. rock oh, vibe. So good. I love his voice. I love that kind of like uh, uncomfortable, like uh, like kind of like voice he has, where it's like struggling and it's like kind of whiny sounding, and it's I don't know. Yeah, definitely. This is the only time he sounds like this. I'm going to tell you that too. <gasps> I love it. Yeah. His voice to me sounds like kind of like a bitchy valley girl in a way. <laughs> like you could smell the clove cigarettes and meth on him. <laughs> it is it's just so good and it feels very real. It feels very raw and um genuine. And I didn't listen to the lyrics very closely, but all sorts of weird stuff you'll catch like <laughs> like flying by. I enjoy the name of some of the songs like spiritual cramp i think that's hilarious i think it's awesome i think it's amazing this is music by teenagers <laughs> yeah, yeah i think he was the teenager everybody else was in their 20s at the time okay they're but young people very young <laughs> of course you know if you think about Roz williams you could tell who his inspirations were and if you can't that's okay i'll let you know right now it's definitely like david bowie lee reed roxy music t-rex iggy pop the new york dolls and yeah you feel it mm -hmm. no it is i guess that's why i like it what how does his voice develop he sounded more like a nice refined vampire <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, I'll have to listen to the rest. Yeah, I. But I do definitely like this kind of angsty kind of voice going on. So yeah, this is definitely like the quintessential like goth album. If you could kind of get past like which song should they skip if they don't want to hear it? It's Romeo's Distress. It's kind of like a landmark album in the goth scene, right? Oh yeah, this is definitely like this is goth. <laughs> and it's like a landmark like this has changed the scene this influenced the scene oh yeah and some of the okay so let's go over the album the musicianship in this is incredible who they pulled for this band or how they created this band is just absolutely amazing i give them all the credit for it the lyrics are just nuts I mean, you think like Marilyn Manson was going to offend you. This is going to offend you way more in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, Rick Angnew and James McGeary and George Belanger. Mad props. They're, they're all <laughs> really good just, musicians. Can you just clarify for me? Because on Spotify, the version of Only Theater of Pain, there's like a multiple like repeat of a couple different songs. Those are just like demos or okay. They didn't put that. You know how they usually put it in parentheses? They didn't. So, <laughs> anyways, just FYI, like there's some repeats there. So it says it's 52 minutes. Yeah, you can stop it right at Death Wish. Okay, so it ends at Death Wish, and then it repeats a couple. But Dogs isn't on the first chunk, so Dogs oh was my added. God. You're right. 
been uh, desperate hell, like, hell, I think. Oh, whoops. It's all mixed up on this. So <laughs> Yeah. I remember even the CD had like extras on there and Oh, so maybe that's what's going on. It's, I don't it know. goes just, up to that was just something I noticed. I was like, oh, this is again, but I couldn't tell what the difference was. I listened to this album a few times. I don't think I got all the way through like looped. Like I started it every day for a chunk of time, but like Takeshi mentioned earlier, we had busy weeks. So <laughs> I had to turn Christian death off <laughs> of my clients. So it's like, I could listen to it for a certain amount of time. So to answer your question, um, <laughs> the original run was 32 minutes and that went up to prayer. It was 10 songs. And then 80 and 93, they released the other part, which was death wish the second version of Romeo's Distress, Dogs, Desperate Hell. Okay. Another thing, uh, Roz Williams did the cover to this album, too. Love it. <laughs> Which is like Jesus being crucified, I guess. I, I don't even know. No, what's going on in the picture? It looks like a man climbing out of something, and there's like spider webs in the corners and a skull head. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I think that's supposed to be Jesus. I don't know. Okay. I thought it was Ross Williams, but so it's Jesus. <laughs> right. Right. Which is one of your favorite songs? Oh, God, this is so tough. Actually, this you one doesn't have. You have to share have... a couple, right? Yeah, one or two. Definitely. Oh, yes. <laughs> one of my favorite songs on here, I feel like Unsixteen, is Stairs. the guitar that everything it comes together so well and that right there he at that last line he was talking backwards or um, the story was is that his family was highly religious even i think his father was a pastor of some sort they had this picture in the bathroom with one, like a passage from the bible but he read it through the mirror you know on on the mirror so it was backwards so he was able to read this thing backwards so that's why you put it oh, in there oh yeah i love it because i was thinking more about the whole satanic thing and it just feels like such a rebellion for like a kid growing up in a christian household because oh yeah it's so funny to me it's like we're trying to reject christianity but you're still in the realm of christianity if you believe in satan so it's yes. like you're still playing around with the same the things you grew up with i liked spiritual cramp of course you would Yeah. 
chest I've got the image of Jesus embedded in my chest I can't live home without my bulletproof vest Killing myself for the perfect honeymoon Fighting with scorpions tied round my neck I hear the pitter patter of a killer on the loose Children use their fingers instead of words Crosses burn our temples on Strata Avenue It takes too much time for me to say I refuse Time is digging graves for the chosen few Children dig the graves of me and you Just like the illness of the spirit The cure is such a two-day life On a two-day vacation Just like the illness of the spirit The cure is such a two-day life On a two-day vacation Ah, man, it's so good. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the Iron Mask, he does um, redo a couple of these songs, and it's so funny because at the end, you know how he reads that one passage. Hold on here. Let me find it. On a mission of the Father to reduce the gates of hell. The ivory bone-eyed mother's flesh is starting to swell. I'm setting 22 tables for the funeral feast. Satan is by far the kindest beast. <laughs> oh, he's so, so good. good. <laughs> he, the, well, I was going to say, there's something else really kind of goofy about this band and I just love the energy of the music, the creativity, the right. kind of insanity of it. I just love it. Yeah, it's a good album. You should definitely check it out. I think if you could get past the whole entire uh, shock value of everything. He does a really good version of Down in the Park by Gary Newman. And I think it's what actually inspired Marilyn Manson to do it. Really? Yeah. He did it with who? As... Christian Death. There it is. Found it. Yeah, it, it's really good, actually. I just found a live version. Yeah, it's live only. Okay, cool. You know, I love a good cover, so I'm like, <laughs> ooh, add it to my covers list. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Maybe one more. Yes. 
Yeah, I would say I like that one a lot too. That's how the album starts. Yeah, it's a good introduction for sure. I love that song too. Anyway, you got one more or? Mm, I like so many. <laughs> Maybe um, I lost where my list was. Hold on. I was wondering if it's the mom, the mother one. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's it. Dream for mother. So PSA, do not play this around or people who are highly religious, they will get easily offended by this album. I'm just going to put that out there. It's not for Christians. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. But note that Ross Williams was a Christian. Yeah, he was. He <laughs> believed in God. His upbringing. <laughs> exactly. Um, it was his way of being punk rock in a way or something. Mm -hmm. Just being completely glam goth. Well, could you imagine being from a strict Christian family and you're gay and into punk rock and goth and poetry? It's you probably don't feel like you fit in anymore. So right. Well, he was definitely bi because he was married to Eva O at the time too. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, <laughs> fluid of some sort. <laughs> yeah, gender fluid. Yeah, that's better. Right. So. I think that's all I have to say about it. Check it out. Do you know that you're going to be offended? <laughs> or not. I wasn't offended. Oh, uh, okay. Yes. Just, it was <laughs> teenagers that wrote this. So, um, yeah. I mean, Gothtober can be every day for you if you want. Well, so. every day is Halloween according to ministry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we'll see you next week. Oh, yeah. You can find me on all social medias under Glitch Unicorn. And you can find me on some social medias as Sister Santos. All right. See you next week. 